steal this sermon number 55. Loaves and fishes and a guy standing in a field. Does everybody know the veggie tales? They are great. Skip church and watch one. These marvelous cartoons will teach you more than I ever will. They work because they notice the small, weird things about gospel stories, and they are absolutely hilarious. But as long as you're here anyway, let me point out a couple of weird details and big stories that I obsessed about as a child. The first one is the story of the loaves and fishes that fed 5,000 followers. Great story. But what tiny detail kicks it off and then disappears forever? Where did Jesus get the original loaves and fishes? Hmm. According to the story, two boys, probably friends, gave their lunches to Jesus, and he turned them into lunch for 5,000 for the crowd that had followed him into a field. It had to be the biggest moment in their whole lives. They were the opening act for a huge miracle. Oh, my God. And yet, and yet. They didn't wake up that morning planning to cater a meal for 5,000 that would still be talked about 2,000 years later. And they didn't even make those lunches, is my bet. Who do you think did? Moms, of course. Moms doing it yet again for the 3,000th time. No big deal. That's what moms do. We don't know their names, nor do we know the boys' names. Evangel evangelists are truly lousy historians. None of the four players were looking for recognition, looking for plaudits. They were just doing what they do, and they were there just ready and available when the big moment came. And we are still talking about them 2,000 years later. None of us are ever going to be the main act in the feeding of $5,000 in our lives. At least I don't think so. But we can be ready to share all the lunches of our lives to feed the needs of others. And we can be steady, like the moms, being there every day, and in the end making a bigger difference in this world than they ever could have imagined. Pretty cool take on the story, eh? Simple lesson, be available. Or consider one of the most famous stories of the Old Testament, Joseph and his rainbow dream coat. It has a fabulous detail of a guy who changes history without anyone ever taking note of him or knowing his name. I'll quickly catch you up on this tale. Joseph, the golden son, is sent to look for his 11 brothers. He's about to give up on this task and head home when he meets a man in the field. Only description given of the guy who asks him, what are you looking for? Jesus tells him he's looking for his brothers. The man in the field says, 11 guys? Yeah, I seen them. I heard one of them say, let's go to the town of Dothan and party. Brief sidebar here. Ask yourself a question. Does the story really need a man in the field? Of course it doesn't. Joseph could have just found them, happened upon them. So why is he there? Hmm. Keep that in mind. Now, back to the story. Joseph goes there, finds them. They steal his rainbow dream coat 
and sell Joseph into slavery. Thanks, man in the field. <laughs> Joseph ends up in Egypt, works for the Pharaoh, saves Egypt from famine, and that's not all. Guess who shows up years and years later in desperate search of food? That's right, his 11 worthless brothers. The plot thickens. I'll cut to the chase. It ends with seven plagues, chariots drowning in the Red Sea, 40 years in the wilderness, 10 commandments, and you guessed it, the promised land. And all this happened because of the man in the field. Who in the heck is this guy? I will tell you who he is. He is a figure who is in all of our lives. He is a messenger who is placed in our way to nudge us in the direction we need to go rather than the way we plan to go. If he isn't there to nudge a tired Joseph ready to call it a day, there is no Exodus, no Ten Commandments, no Torah. Did the man in the field even remember the meeting? Did he answer his wife's questions about how his day went with a shrug? Could he have even suspected that the one-minute conversation with a guy in a weird coat would change the world? How about the two moms and their lads? Did they realize that they would give this wandering preacher a chance to give a tiny hint of his power? Are we from time to time messengers to other people sent by God to deliver a nudge? I strongly suspect that we are. And are we at other times in the role of Joseph nudged by a guy in the field toward the thing that we were really made for? So I look back in my life, I can, I can recount and recall many such nudges that pushed me from an old path that was leading nowhere toward a path that led me to the places I was meant to go. I suspect each of you can do the same. The message is simple. Pay attention, pay attention, pay attention. Look for a reason to find a new and better way, even if part of the path involves a stolen coat and a beating. And always bring a lunch. And always give good directions. Or, as the veggie gang would say, always say thank you to your mom for lunch. And sometimes it's okay to talk to strangers, but be careful. Amen. Hallelujah.